A note of caution to our listeners. The topics we're discussing today are very important to us, but they may be upsetting to some people. If you or someone you know is experiencing thoughts of depression or self-harm, please stop right now and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. The line is available 24-7. It's free and it's confidential. And if you're in the UK, you can reach out to the Hopeline UK 0800-068-4141. Or you can call the Samaritans on 116-123 or Childline on 0800-1111. 13 Reasons Why isn't based on a true story, but one fact that is indisputable. The CDC says suicide is the third leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 24. Some say it could be a helpful conversation starter on a tough topic, but others argue it could do more harm than good. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Was there... Did you have an encounter at the party? An encounter? Yeah, you could say that. Did... You don't want to talk about this, do you? No, I do. Listen, Hannah, I'm not gonna judge you. But did anything happen that night that you regret? Yes. Are you embarrassed? 
by what happened? Yes. Maybe you made a decision? No, I... A decision to do something with a boy that now you regret. Oh my God, no, that's... That's just what you assume? No, I'm just asking you. Look, I didn't make a decision. Okay, sorry. Um, did anything happen at the party that may be considered illegal? Maybe. Alcohol? Yeah, but I wasn't drinking. Drugs? Not that I know of. Did he force himself on you? I think so. You think so, but you're not sure. Did you tell him to stop? No. Did you tell him no? No. Maybe you consented and you changed your mind. No, it's not like that. Hello and welcome to Real Crime Profile. This is Jim Clemente, former New York City prosecutor, retired FBI profiler, and writer-producer on CBS's Criminal Minds. And with me today from London is... Laura Richards, criminal behavioural analyst, former New Scotland Yard, and current CEO and founder and director of Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service. And I'm Lisa Zambetti. I am the casting director for Criminal Minds, where Jim Clemente is my colleague, and I have a real interest in real crime and the minds that solve those crimes. And speaking of crime, well, we on Real Crime Profile do not consider suicide a crime. We do know that there are crimes that can contribute to people taking their own lives, and, and that certainly is true in the series that we're going to be continuing to cover today, 13 Reasons Why. With respect to the issue of the categorization of suicide as a crime, we know for a fact that it is a crime to assist or encourage someone to commit suicide. But functionally speaking, suicide is, itself is no longer a crime. The roots of suicide being a crime are based in the common law and they had to do with property rights and so forth after someone dies from suicide. But Literally, attempted suicide is no longer prosecuted. However, it can be an indication of mental illness and therefore should be treated. And we don't want to discourage people from talking about suicide because that is one of the best ways to prevent it. And we're all about prevention here at Real Crime Profile. Though we don't want to discourage anybody from talking about suicide, we do want to discourage people from taking their own lives because there is help out there. There is definitely hope. There are things that you can do, people that you can talk to, and steps you can take to get out of the feeling that your life is not worth it anymore. And we hope that we will be able to help you see that in our coverage of 13 Reasons Why. And those who know Real Crime Profile well, you will know that our focus, as Jim just said, is on prevention, suicide and homicide and violence prevention. And the victim's voice is very much at the center of all that we do. And of course, learning the lessons and 13 reasons why, of course, there are many issues that are raised from crimes like stalking and domestic abuse and rape and sexual violence and bullying. And so there are lots of uh, key themes for us to talk about, as well as holding perpetrators to account, which is another key issue that we want to focus on, giving the victims a voice, but making sure that perpetrators are closed down. 
Okay, so when we left off last time, we'd gotten through episode six. So continuing on uh, episode seven, this one is all about Zach. So Zach is the really popular jock. He's, he's great at academics, and he's the star of the basketball team and all this stuff. And, but we do find out that he has a backstory, and he has a part to play in Hannah's Reasons Why. Yeah, and so the school had a program in which they set up compliment bags for each of the students, and Hannah notices that her bag is empty. There are no compliments there, and it turns out Zach has been emptying her compliments bag, and so she kind of devises a way to deal with this by leaving a letter in Zach's bag saying how lonely and sad she feels. She hopes that this will get him to change his behavior and address what's been going on. And apparently it fails miserably. Yeah, so this reminds me of how in high school just people get mixed communications so often. You know, Zach starts out as somebody who's very sympathetic to Hannah and is pissed off at his buddy Marcus for treating her really badly on Valentine's Day. And Zach, you know, connects with her. Um, but then, you know, he says something kind of thoughtless to her in the cafeteria and she lashes out at him and they're both hurt by it. And so he retaliates by doing this little prank of stealing her compliments from her compliments bag. And it's just this small thing that kind of just escalates into two people who really could connect and uh, like each other, just missing each other completely. And it's what you said, Lisa, it's the little things and the small things in the scheme of lots of other things that are happening for her. And you get this real sense of, you know, isolation and just the impact on her self-esteem, you know, of going there each day and then of course she comes up with a a way of trying to find out who it was that was doing it in the first place and it is confirmed who it was but I, I have to say you know the, the filter that they use of uh, seeing the characters from different filters and you see their interpretation of the world you know that it really does depict that there is no real one truth mm. You know, you can understand the impact of things on people, but whose truth is it or whose point of view are you coming from? Unless somebody's doing something particularly mean or consciously, you know, trying to create upset and hurt. But, you know, Zach seems this kind of squeaky clean kid in a way who's, you know, into sports and, you know, likable person. But the decisions that he makes, I think, are really foolhardy decisions and that have a very serious impact on Hannah and how she feels, not just about herself, but the world around her. Right. And that's a really good point, because there's a difference between intent and consequences. That somebody can intend things to be, you know, just a little prank or a little thing or a little nab at somebody or, or something like that. But the consequences could can be much deeper than intended. And so you have to understand that people have a lot going on. And this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. It could be the one thing that pushes somebody over the edge. And, and you don't want to be that person. And apparently, when, when Clay actually keys Zach's car and scratches in Hannah's question, why me, um, that, that Zach never had answered, but it comes out that, that Clay had done this and he admits to doing it. And then it kind of starts a conversation between Clay and Zach. And you find out that Zach has kept Hannah's letter in his wallet. 
ever since he got it. And, and it did bother him significantly, but he just didn't respond to it. He didn't act to it. He just didn't know what to do. So this is a great teaching moment. And we will tell you what to do. Reach out to that person. If it is something that overwhelms you, reach out to somebody who actually has training in dealing with it. Call one of the hotlines. Get advice or recommendations on how you can help your friend if you're in a situation like this. Because you can educate yourself to the extent that you can help somebody else rather than just stepping back and letting them feel like they're completely alone. Talk about a teachable moment. I mean, this is the one point in the show where you realize that Hannah's point of view may not be reliable because she thinks she sees Zach throw away this very personal letter, but he actually, I guess it wasn't her letter or she doesn't, she didn't see what she thought she saw. And I think that's just important to not believe everything you see. Not to make two and two equal five, you know, of your worst fear. And I think when we feel insecure and and lonely and overwhelmed we go into that fear echo chamber in our head and actually our imagination takes us to the worst places and so you know the learning point was also checking on those things you know what is the reality versus what is it in your head that you might be creating um, that's far worse than what actually happened and I, I think you really get this sense in in her head about this overbearing uh, and you know overwhelming sense of loneliness and isolation and she's reaching out and reaching out and each time she feels that people are just shutting her down and it's it's you know very emotive and, and emotional I think there are lots of people who do feel very lonely and isolated and not sure how to have that conversation and right. that's where you have that sense of sympathy too towards Zach because you understand his truth that he held on to it he it meant something to him but not being able to articulate or put it into words can be a challenge in, in particular for for young boys and young guys right and I think that this is where sort of your personality acts as a filter um, in terms of intake of information about your experiences, that you can actually change the meaning of something. And it's unfortunate, but it can make things that should have been innocuous or minimal, it can make them into big things that, that can have devastating effects. And so it's important to know that perceptions aren't always reality and that addressing issues directly with the person at the time, may actually get you more information to make a, a reasoned judgment on. And if that person is not approachable, then at least find somebody to talk to. These national, the teen line and the National Suicide Prevention Helpline, they're both there to help you get through situations like this. It doesn't have to be at a last moment. You can talk to people who are who are trained to deal with these issues on the teen line, and they will help you. You can talk about anything, anything at all. And the number is one three one zero eight five five four six seven three. That's 310-855-4673. Or you can go to their website, teenlineonline.org. And in an upcoming episode, we actually have Cheryl Eskin, um, who is a program director at teenline.org, uh, talking to us about it in more detail. So I really look forward to that. Yeah. So at the end of this episode, Clay realizes that this is really overwhelming, listening to Hannah's 
Manifesto. Yeah, Manifesto. <laughs> yeah, her, her, like an intro to her psyche, what was going on in her mind, how she felt based on all the things that were going on. And he actually gives the tapes back to Tony, saying that I can't listen to this. Uh, he's just not able to deal with it. And that's also an important lesson. People deal with things at their own pace. We can't force them to deal with things immediately, nor we can, can we, nor can we give them the responsibility to have to deal with things immediately. That's why these outside resources are so important. And even if the people that are in place, like this guidance counselor in this school, are not dealing with it properly, if they are inept or if they are actually creating a problem, making it worse... There are outside resources like the Teen Line and the National Suicide Prevention Hotline that can actually help with people who are trained specifically in this subject. I think that's, you know, that learning point, but also Clay's character is an interesting one, isn't it? Drawing out lots of different things. He's, he starts to wake up in this episode. And whereas before we've seen him a bit interpersonally awkward, you know, he gets angry about certain things and you know he's fully awake and I think he's a, a good character and actor in terms of bringing so many things alive of you know him trying to deal with what he's for somebody that he cares about what he's seeing and what he's hearing and then taking action feeling that he's compelled to take action um, but of course you know if you're the person who's learning about stuff or whether you're the person who feels that you're being victimized uh, as you quite rightly say, everyone's journey is different and people will deal with it very differently and will need different things uh, around them at different times. And I still hate Tony. Sorry, I'm still I'm not a fan of this character and this device. Uh, well, we don't really know Tony's true, his kind of truth, do we? He just seems to be loitering around a lot on some kind of, you know, do good mission. But we don't really know his right. Real truth. Not until okay. episode eight, we start revealing a little bit more about Tony and what his real mission is, but not before we get to Ryan. Ryan is a poetry writer who, in the end, um, publishes Hannah's most private and intimate thoughts, and she felt that this was a violation. Um, Ryan also published Alex's hot list in, a, in his zine, um, which for old people like me is basically an online magazine, okay? And Ryan decided to publish Alex's list, I mean, just broadening out who knows about this violation that Hannah felt. I mean, she felt she was being... Uh, turned into a piece of meat, basically, and she felt it was a, a a violation that was exacerbated by the fact that it was published by Ryan. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, 
so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You knew the shit I shared was personal. You knew where it came from, and you knew it would get people talking. I realize now I was desperate for someone to listen. And you listened. And then you turned around and made my most private thoughts a public spectacle. What do you think about that, Laura? Why would somebody feel it's okay to publish somebody's diary or personal intimate thoughts? Why would they do that? It's an interesting one, isn't it? And, you know, perhaps, and again, I'm not justifying him, but there's two parts to it. One is that obviously she is very talented in terms of the way that she writes. And it's kind of, she's found a a voice in a sense through uh, poetry. And he is clearly impacted by it. He clearly is moved and thinks it's it's something that's great that should be shared. Mm. But of course, it's it's very personal to her and maybe he feels he covers it by the anonymity. But of course, you know, poetry or music, when it's about something so personal, you can readily identify people and it is such a uh, emotive part to someone. It's laying their soul bare, isn't it, for many musicians and artists and, and creatives. So, you know, you'd, I got that sense immediately that that was probably what was going to happen and he probably feels that he got round it by being anonymous but then of course you get the next step where it's actually read out in class so it's you know the the device that's used of sort of not just one person again doing something wrong although they might be well intentioned of kind of showcasing her work to the world there's then a, a double impact of it isn't it for her right. and he he kind of tries to explain it and 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 rationalize it by saying that all poetry should be as embarrassing is reading your diary out loud. Well, that's his feeling, but to impose that on somebody else without their consent is wrong. And these kinds of things are those unfeeling, maybe little things in your mind, but they can have disastrous long-term effects on the person's whose who's, uh, privacy you violated by doing this. Yeah, it's one more betrayal for poor Hannah. Here she connects with him and thinks maybe she's found a new friend. Maybe she's found a new group, this poetry group, this kind of nutty little eccentric group that she feels like she might be able to be a part of. And yet, once again, this path is just blown up for her from the the thoughtlessness of... um, Ryan publishing her work and I just it is such a cringy moment you know when it's read aloud I can I can't even imagine if any of us <laughs> of our most private thoughts you know blasted right. out into the public it's just oh it's embarrassing it's on top of a number of other things and it reminds me of well literally my favorite song by Roberta Flack killing me softly she says she went to hear a young boy sing and she felt like he was Strumming my heart with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly. And she said she felt like he was reading her private letters out loud. And it's really interesting how it, this, this connection that she made with, um, with this singer, and I think I know who the singer was, but I'm not exactly sure, but, um, but it, was, it was 
a very intimate moment. But Hannah didn't feel that way. Yeah. Hannah felt like it was a violation on top of another violation and another and another and another. It was just a string of these things. And it just really, really hurt her. And it's just sad that because Ryan thought he was sort of pursuing some kind of artistic goal by publishing, he actually hurt her tremendously. As did the comments around her too. You know, I think, I don't know, I can't recall if it was Clay, but someone said, oh, they're, they're clearly quite talented, but I don't know if I'd want to hang out with this person. Which, again, kind of pushes her away and sort of isolates her. So, yeah, a, a, a real double sense of injustice there. And, you know, that whole conversation about if just one thing had gone differently, if there was just one break in the chain of events, a, a little bit of let up. But, you know, feeling that she then has no sense of purpose and that she's being bullied, it's kind of a a number of injustices layered upon each other, even when the communications officer reads it out at school. Another thing that happens in this episode, if we want to turn to it now, is the whole college night in the gym. And this is such a significant moment where a light at the end of her tunnel just seems to go out because she's brushed off for not having enough money for some school or top grades. And, and you know, her dream of getting out of this town and starting a new life, it's, it's starting to sort of evaporate in front of her. And including when she goes to her counselor, who, who's just got to be the most <laughs> worst counselor in the history of the world. Um, he's worried about her grades, and she tells him, again, her dream of going to NYU or Columbia. And he just shuts that down. Like, you know, get real, get more realistic. And, uh, I mean, I can't imagine that a counselor would really do well, that in well, that way now. It's and, funny. And these days, do you think? I don't know these days, but I know that a friend of mine, when I was working in a law firm in New York, and he was a, you know, sort of a student intern, and uh, I asked him once what his plans were for college, and he said, oh, um, my guidance counselor told me that I can't go to college. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know. He said that I, I can't go to college. So I called up his guidance counselor with him on the line, and I asked what he meant. He goes, oh, we feel that our students are more suited towards trade schools and those kinds of jobs. And I said, all of your students? Do you not test them? Do you not see what their capacity is? Do you not even care that some of them might be very bright and might go on to have incredibly re rewarding professions? And, and literally, the guidance counselor just kind of tried to blow me off. But Luckily, I did help Kenny get into college. I mean, helped him fill out the applications. He got into college on his own, and he was able to pay for it, and he was able to graduate and become the first person in his family to do so. And I think it's something that, obviously, schools should not be discouraging. And it's just the fact that this guy would even do that. I mean, you have to be realistic, but you also have to encourage people. Right. Well, different kids would react to that in different ways. Some would be deflated and others would say, oh, fuck you. I'm going to I'm going to get into Columbia and I'm going to, you know, everybody's in a different place when they hear stuff like that. Um, man, the number of times somebody told me I couldn't do something, I, I would be rich about it every time. <laughs> you too, Laura, I'm sure. Um, but in this case, when Hannah is the kind of kid who hears that and it just really shuts down her view of her future. 
Laura? Well, I was just going to move on. You know, if, if yeah. we're done with that, yeah. we, should we chat about Tony? Yes. That's in, in here. I know it's t- Tony is Lisa's uh, least favorite character in all of this, and he does seem to just loom and appear and have odd things to say. But of course, we find out that, uh, you know, he starts to tell Clay about the fact that he witnessed, and interestingly, he calls it the crime scene. Um, which, of course, was Hannah's suicide. And it, it clearly had a very vivid impact on him and it, it clearly mattered to him. So I think we start to learn some new things about this particular character who kind of takes us through, uh, I guess, the the whole story and certainly becomes the almost like the conscience of Clay appearing at, at strange times and taking him off to different places. And we also learn that he's gay as well, which is another part to to him, which, of course, there's the conversation where Clay says that he had absolutely no idea. Right. Clay is shocked about that. But it may be one of the reasons why Hannah trusted him, because he never harassed her sexually or oogled her body or anything like that. So she felt more comfortable around him. But what we find is that Tony actually had an opportunity to save Hannah, and he didn't know about it. And what he was, what he was telling Clay was that on the day, she knocked on his door, but he just didn't want to deal with her, quote, drama. And so he didn't answer the door. She left the tapes along with a letter of instructions, but Tony didn't even realize it, didn't read it, didn't listen to the tapes until after Hannah was already dead. And it's a missed opportunity to intervene and probably in all likelihood was a cry for help on the side of Hannah, that she probably would have been talking to him about this. She would have had to have disclosed this to him if she was leaving the tapes in the letter. And in that case, he might have been able to prevent her from from doing it. And the ironic thing is, once he listens to all the tapes, he realizes she wasn't drama. I mean, that's how she'd been labeled um, by everybody. But it, it was everybody else who was causing the drama. Well, I would actually say, yes, it's everybody else, but it's the trauma. Yeah. You know, and that's what people mistake. And that's why, you know, we're a trauma-informed helpline and service is that when you hear someone, you know, they have a, a conflict of their internal and external world when they've been traumatized. And that's why people too, do get labeled as drama. They're misunderstood in, in every sense. And of course, not everybody is articulate in being able to explain that that's what's going on. So yes, I agree. It's what other people have done and what they're hearing is her trauma. Well, I think the parents for me here are, you know, really did move me. I think they're excellent actors. Yeah. Uh, this is Hannah's and, you know, the burden left behind it's just so palpable. And remind me, Lisa, who are the actors again? So it's, it's, it's Kate Walsh, who I, I worked on the show Private Practice that was her, she was a star of. And in a really interesting casting choice, as the father, they chose Brian Darcy James, who is a huge Broadway star. Um, that's how I know. That's what he's most known for. But he's been in, in a few series, too, and many movies. But um, I love that they put him in this. He's just he's just so quiet with his pain and suffering and just, I, I don't know, I just loved all of his nuances. 
Same. I mean, I really, you know, feel for them. And you've got her talking about, you know, Hannah in, in the present tense. So, you know, that transition and you really feel her pain. And this is the reality of suicide, the, the pain and burden on those left behind. You know, and I think there's a, a, a moment here as well where you hear this kind of departure in Hannah from, you know, maybe the poetry was a was a device in one sense that she can write so well. But yet when she's asked, you know, what happened, I think it was her mum who asked her, she says, you know, shit happens, people suck. And and suddenly it's a very raw narrative, very different, stripped bare, n- nothing uh, deep or emotive, just saying it as it is. And I think for me, that was quite a powerful moment of, of seeing that in a very subtle way, the transition, if, if you draw those two comparisons. Um, and then, of course, you have Clay, who takes the poem, has worked out that the poem was Hannah's and takes it to, to mum to Olivia and you know a mother's discovery I guess of the this is what's going on in my child's head you know again just that raw uh, emotive and you know that that terrible harrowing struggle yeah I have to say just from an actor's point of view having to sustain that level of emotion for both Kate Walsh who plays the mom and Brian Darcy James who plays the dad and and also the kid who plays uh, Clay uh, Dylan Minette. I mean, that is such a hard job for episode after episode to plumb the depths of that emotion and not just get to one note. I, I, I found it just astonishing to watch. So just big shout out. I agree. I agree. I, it's real intensity and it, and it's harrowing. I mean, it's palpable. You feel it in your pores and in your, in your being. It's, you know, fantastic acting. So at the end of episode eight, Clay decides he's ready to listen to the tapes again. Um, and Tony basically always knew that he would, uh, which is why he kept them nearby. And he said he basically he basically knew that, that Hannah's master plan was actually going to actually work out. So we move on to episode nine. Um, so for me, this had a, a viewer discretion warning when I saw it. I don't know if it was when you guys watched it, which, you know, keys you in right away that there's going to be something very disturbing in this particular tape. Um, and, and the structure is very different in this episode. It's not um, the dual linear structure. We start at the end. We start with Clay already knowing what is in tape nine and sort of backtracking to figure out uh, why he's so upset. So it was very interesting to try to follow what was happening. But it's basically all about Jessica's party. Yeah. And tape nine is Justin's tape, um, part two. It's not about what Justin did, but what he didn't do. Clay invites Hannah to Jessica's party and she goes and at some point she's trying to go off by herself and so she escapes to Jessica's bedroom and then Jessica who's drunk and Justin who she's seeing they come into the room and they you know Justin is apparently trying to sort of get with her and she kind of doesn't want to hook up that night and so Justin leaves. Like a gentleman, like you're supposed to. Right. But then he bumps into Bryce. And Bryce makes it very obvious that he's a dirtbag and that he wants to take sexual advantage of Justin's girlfriend, of Jessica. 
And well, he says, "What well, what's mine is yours, bro. As it, you know, and this is the whole entitlement thing and just seeing women and girls as objects to be passed around. This it's just made my skin crawl. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, what the fuck? You know, people are not playthings and people don't own them. And just because you're dating someone, that person doesn't become yours. And you certainly do not have the right to violate their wishes and their personal space and their bodies and you certainly don't have the right to give somebody else the right to do that right and this is where you know the depiction as we know you know rape 90 percent of rapists are known and you know for bryce just uh he is a, a predator in this sense he senses an opportunity he uses uh, a manipulator on justin of saying you know this is our bro code and then he goes and helps himself and this bro code, you know, we know does go on. It is very prevalent. And, you know, the challenge around it, well, you know, in schools and universities, et cetera, and, you know, particularly when, when partying and there's alcohol involved, you know, and she is completely unconscious. And that, you know, we, we now have changed our law over here that you have to actually ask for consent. It has to be a proactive thing. and Somebody has to give it. And, of course, that's something that, uh, you know, around education and prevention is just so important. It's not just a case that, well, she never said no. It's but did she say yes or did he say yes? Mm -hmm. Very different, right? So while uh, Bryce is raping, raping. Jess, um, Hannah is kind of trapped in the closet or uh, hiding, and she. This is, I mean, this is definitely one of her huge things that propels her to kill herself because of the guilt of not stopping what was happening and not being able to scream or, or, or do anything. Uh, it was very hard to, to watch this scene for sure. And, you know, the other part of it is those who commit sexual abuse like this, we know are not one time offenders. You know, he had that confidence about him of just the way that he maneuvered and manipulated that. So this is where the serial, behavior starts to kick in and getting away with things and silence does collude with it yeah it's just it's terrible i mean but what we need to do is also educate people this is a great learning point here there are things you can do if you if she felt physically threatened i totally understand that but Immediately afterwards, she could have called 911. She could have gotten medical help for Jessica. She could have had a rape kit done. And even if Jessica didn't want to come forward at this point, they would at least have preserved the evidence. And that evidence could have been used later to convict this, this rapist of the crime that he had just committed. Bryce is a rapist. He is unapologetic about it. And that makes him a disgusting human being on multiple levels. Yeah, so the bystander effect is, is twofold here, isn't it? It's both Justin and Hannah. And, you know, she is in her own upset or state of upset. But yes, that's a, a difficult thing to, to resolve, not just Justin sort of turning a blind eye, but, but Hannah. And, you know, if other people do find themselves in that situation, you know, I guess some might think, well, why didn't she just burst out and, you know, tell him to get off of her? But people can be fearful, but we all have to, we all have to act and try and keep each other safe. And Jessica was just not even conscious. I mean, she was completely out for the count. And of course, the 
impact of that is life-changing. It's life-changing for all of them, in fact. So this episode really unlocks some of the secrets that the previous episodes have kind of teased as we see that Jessica has kind of been out of control and she started drinking and she is flashing back to something that happened to her that night. And we've been teased about what that is. And for a long time, it seems to like they're setting up that it was actually Justin who assaulted her or we're not quite sure what happened. But, you know, finally, it's revealed that it's really Bryce and that uh, all the, his friends are sort of trying to protect him from Clay going to the police or anybody disclosing this crime. Um, so it's definitely a significant episode where we kind of go, oh, okay, now I, now it's all starting to connect. Right. And I think the, the go-to can always be, you know, well, you talked about Jessica drinking and of course everyone's seeing her act in a certain way. And the go-to is always, well, why didn't she do X or Y or Z? You know, and people always ask about the victim first, normally a her in, in this kind of situation. In this case, it's a her. But why not ask about him, the, the perpetrator, the abuser? Why not ask about his abuse and his assault and his rape? And so, again, you know, narratives can get changed and that gets picked up again later on. Right. But it's clear who the bad guy is here, uh, who one of the bad guys is, Bryce. The other is Justin, and Clay confronts Justin, um, and he just he just stood by and did nothing when Bryce clearly indicated his intent to sexually assault or rape Jessica. It's it's it is not okay to do that. It is not a bro thing. It is actually a disgusting thing. It's a violent crime, and. Both of these guys actually participated in that crime. Bryce by actually raping Jessica and Justin by standing by and not doing anything to stop it. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage in a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. Sticking around for Jessica. <laughs> She's so wasted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet you had some fun with it, didn't you? Let me see. 
Dude, dude. Yeah. <laughs> she's my girlfriend. Buddy, come on. She's what? She's your summer hookup. What's mine is yours, right? One of the things, Laura, that I think would be good if you discussed is how, in this case, Jessica afterwards starts st skipping school and she continues to get drunk, but with the guy who raped her with the guy who actually violated her and what is it psychologically that draws victims to do that what is it about the circumstances yes we do see that as you know jim you know fairly often and Sometimes people going back, you know, it might be in domestic abuse situations, it could be in sexual violence situations like this. And, you know, I think there's a number of things that happen. And certainly it's not about blaming the victim in any sense at all. I, I think it's that, you know, firstly comes down to, in this particular case, what is her memory at, you know, different times? Because I think there is an element that she has managed to disassociate certain things. And so you start to feel a sense that she's piecing things together. And that happens quite a lot with people who have been, who have been abused, that she was in and out of consciousness. She had drunk a lot. But when she does start to understand a little bit more about it, then she starts taking much more um, kind of risk-based behavior of the drinking Obviously, you know, people can drink, of course, and take drugs to cope with what they're starting to understand happened and starting to dumb that down. But it much more is about that kind of risk taking behavior and recklessness. And it can be, you know, where a perpetrator behaves completely normal as well, that sometimes it's did that really happen? You know, maybe I'm remembering things in a different way and this person's just behaving in a totally normal way. Maybe, you know, there's there are moments in there that I wonder if she's going to take revenge upon him. Yes, she it's not clear to the viewer exactly what her, you know, how much she remembers and what her intention is. But certainly trying to cope with what's gone on, the things that are pushing her to him and further away from Justin. Does she remember that anything about Justin being there and then him leaving? It, it's difficult to ascertain exactly what she does remember and what she doesn't at, at different times. Um, but absolutely, abusers can carry on and behave completely as normal and it draws the victim back. Some associate, associate with them more and more if there is a power imbalance. But I, I don't know. I get the sense here, Jim, that she doesn't really remember too much of it. It's coming back in flashbacks. But when she does remember, she then obviously turns to, to alcohol to blot things out. And it looks like she's partying more. and She's just becoming more reckless. Right. What, what did you think? Yeah, well, I think she wasn't. She, But she chose to party with the exact guy who, who had violated her. And whether everybody around her, whether it was sort of like the you know, the Bill Cosby situation where she woke up knowing that she had been violated sexually, but not sure what happened and, and confused and dazed because she was unconscious when it happened. And nobody actually told her who it was that did this to her. It, it may or may not be something that's, you know, conscious or subconscious. She may be trying to figure out what happened. She may be trying to prove that it didn't happen to herself um, by by befriending him, getting close to him, and and drinking with him and laughing it off. Well, then maybe he didn't violate me, and you know maybe that helped her 
you know, get past it at that point. But clearly it had damaging effects on her and it was a violent crime that should have been addressed. Or maybe it makes her feel powerful. Like she can hang as tough as he can, you know, she can drink as much as he can. And it just, maybe that's her way of not thinking of herself as being a victim. And sometimes with pain, I mean, I, I see this a lot and, you know, I've had experience too. When, when you have pain, you want to go back to normality as quickly as possible. And so you sort of norm it and you dumb down that thing and you just want to try and get a sense of normality and everything to return to how it was before. But of course, it never can return to what it was before and, and alcohol or drugs being the suppressor trying to block that stuff out. So the last thing in episode nine that I want to mention is that there's a situation in which Marcus buys weed and plants it in Clay's bag to try to set him up so that he can keep Clay quiet. And it seems to be sort of an overarching theme that has happened that people kind of question whether Clay is going to out them. They all have heard the tapes. They all know what their part was in this major tragedy. And they want to all keep it quiet, not let the, the adults know, not let the authorities know. And so they're doing things to try to screw Clay up so that he will keep quiet. Well, of course, you know, trying to silence somebody in, in a different way and the, the biggest fear or the biggest consequence for someone and, you know, just that message that it sends, not just to him, but to others as well. Um, you know, pretty uh, sly tactic on his behalf. And of course, Marcus, you get the sense that he's very strategic the whole way throughout the show. Um, you know, that he's always thinking about his own positioning and his me, myself and I. That's how I see him. And he wants to take Clay down at, at any consequence. And of course, we did have the very odd conversation from Justin as well, talking about even staging the suicide of Clay to make it well staging a murder to make it look like suicide right. so there's all these very peculiar things going on of their biggest fear which is you know something someone finding out and outing them clay for for what they've done yeah but that they're actually willing to set people up for crimes and to commit murder in order to cover up what they did i mean it just goes to the level of the, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. Yeah. And, and in this case, uh, that, those discussions are, are just an extreme and violent way to react to something that is a major tragedy that, unfortunately, they all contributed to. And how image is everything to them. You know, they would rather stage a, a suicide than actually bring a rapist to justice. And it's interesting. I, I did appreciate how they make Marcus. He's the student body president. He's supposed to be Mr. Squeaky Clean. And yet he's extremely devious underneath. And I think that's a great sort of complex kind of character. Yeah, definitely a complex kind of character, but a very... I don't know, common political characteristics in that people who rise to the top, I mean, the good looking, charismatic guys who who know how to manipulate others, who know how to get what they want, who want the adulation and pursue it at any cost. And that sounds like Marcus would be a great president someday. So this concludes our coverage this week of 13 Reasons Why. And I want to, again, Shout out to our listeners that the topics we're discussing are very important, but they may be upsetting and triggering to some people. If you or someone you know is experiencing thoughts of depression or self-harm, 
please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. It's available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It's free and it's confidential. You can get help. And if you're in the UK, you can call the Hope Line 0800-068-4141 or the Samaritans on 116-123 or Childline on 0800-1111. Thank you for listening to Real Crime Profile. If you like our podcast, there are a few things that you can do. You can take two minutes and go to Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can also check out all Real Crime Profile offers and promotion and our sponsors in our show notes. Another thing you can do is go over to Facebook and like our Facebook page. And one last thing is please tell all your friends, family and colleagues about us and spread the Real Crime Profile word. Thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate you. Real Crime Profile is produced and edited by Paul Francis Sullivan. Sound engineered by Terrell Parham. Music composed by Simba Zumba. Logo art by Jim Clementi. Real Crime Profile is produced by XG Productions and distributed by Wondery. For advice and support if you're experiencing stalking in the UK, you can contact Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service on 0203 866 4107 or you can go on the website www.paladinservice.co.uk. If you're experiencing domestic violence, call the National Domestic Violence Helpline, free phone 0800 247. In the US, if you're experiencing domestic abuse and need advice, safety, shelter or counselling, call Genesis, the 24-hour hotline 214-946-4357 or go on their website www.genesisshelter.org or the domestic violence hotline on 800-799-7233. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Real Crime Profile ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Ding! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. 
It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.